Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we try and take some science and squish it into an hour-long show, hopefully making it less confusing than it was at the beginning. Science in theory, but as we've proved in these past few weeks, comedy in practice. Last week we continued our discussion on ageing, but really we just kind of used that as a launch pad to speak about other things. So check it out, there's science in there, just takes a bit of digging. Uh, this week though, we're going to turn our attention to evolution. If you want to give us a follow, you can head on over to Twitter, at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, Information EntropyPod, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is now, wherever you're listening to this, if you can give us a follow, a rating, that helps us out absolutely massively. I am Tom Jenks, joined as per usual by Mitchell Gatting. How are you, mate? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good, good. Had a, had a late coffee. A late coffee? The, uh, yeah, still sipping on it. Oh, okay, so real, real late. Real late, half eight. eight. That's yeah. half, half eight in the evening coffee. So we'll see how that goes. That's a that's a bold. I normally have like a cut off of six, unless I'm like out at a meal and I need to drive home. Oh, like you, dinner you know for me will be heat, middle age yeah. when uh you've gone out for a meal. You've had a a wafer thin mint chocolate and a <laughs> cup of coffee to get you home. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just normal here. Like you, you know, you'll finish dinner at like ten eleven because no one goes out before half eight nine for dinner. And then everyone has an espresso before they goes home. Half in, oh, is that, is that in Italy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I think for people from the UK, I don't want to speak for everybody, but normally we eat, <laughs> we go out for like half six, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier. Which is absolutely mental to people here. And they're like, do you really have dinner at like six? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it frees up, frees up the evening. You get it out of the way first. Like you come home from work to eat food. Oh, okay. And then... You got the whole the rest of the evening. Plus, it means that you, when you're going to sleep, you're not like sleeping off that weight. Oh, like you've already yeah. like partially digested it, so you're not feeling bloaty. But I think that the difference is is like it's very common to work until seven p.m. Here, <sighs> why? Yeah, but the, did you start later? I guess. Uh, not really. You start more at the breaks, same time or earlier, more, but more everyone goes day. home for lunch. Oh, uh, okay. So you leave work at like half 12, mm-hmm. you come back to work at like half two, three. Okay. Obviously, that is a that is just my personal experience. It's going to change depending yeah. on which region you go to, that kind of thing, and what job you have. So don't go shouting at me if that's incorrect for your region. Yeah. Um, I would, I would <laughs> love yeah. to be able to like start work at seven and finish at like, like four, half like three o'clock. Oh yeah, but the issue being is when you work in like a really big organization with people scheduling meetings every hour of the day. A lot no, of the meetings, work, like in the afternoon, yeah. There's like a a meeting with a weekly meeting that we have with a like a third party that works in America. Uh, the 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 area in which when we're finishing our day, they're starting, so right. we have an hour crossover at four o'clock our time. So four till five is what we normally have the meeting. And that's their nine till ten. So we're like right. perfectly finishing as they're perfectly starting. And because I've been like been doing slightly reduced hours to recover my health. Yeah. Um I haven't been able to go to them because I'm finishing at three. So 
it is compounding that if you do have meetings with people all over the show, you can't really do that earlier. Yeah, for sure. Finish. It's a bit of a shame, bit of a shame. Especially in today's world where it's a bit more international in Yeah, most business spaces. It's a bit, more, yeah. a bit more difficult to do. Oh, indeed. Uh, it was World Mental Health Day on Monday. So just wanted to give a quick shout out. If you're not doing all right, speak to someone. Many resources. I'll post some in the description as as we, we tend to do whenever this kind mm-hmm. of thing comes up. So, uh, yeah. yeah, if you're struggling, it's all right. We all struggle at some point, but uh, yeah, there are resources out there to help you. One thing I did mm. quite, find quite funny is, we've been speaking about this the past couple of weeks, is my uh, accidental oh. triggering myself of, <laughs> I have AC, ACD, bloody hell, I have ADHD. You got ACDC in your blood. I, yeah, I, it's just pumping around there, mate. <laughs> and the more I research it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, I do have it. But, like, there was a PSA this World Mental Health Day to stop, like, self-diagnosis. Yeah. Because you see things on TikTok and Twitter, and it's very easy to self-diagnose yourself from a list. Like, we have a cognitive bias that when we see a Mm -hmm. list, we'll find ourselves in it. Yeah. It's not to say it's not a good starting point to then go and speak to a doctor or something from there. Yeah. But don't just look at a list and go, ah, yeah, I I, I, I got it. Like, it's incredibly easier to be diagnosed when you're younger being diagnosed as an adult is incredibly difficult and it oh, like this, sure. it's because i had a look at having myself tested for autism because comments have been made about certain behaviors that i've displayed in my past and also present um but like looking at like how to do it on the nhs to do it privately that you have to the waiting list is huge like it's so difficult to actually present in a like in a situation unless it's really obvious. Yeah. So I can see why people. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, try and self-diagnose. Resources and not cope with it. Well, that's the thing, that isn't it? It's kind of like oh, once you're going to prescribe a name to something, it's very powerful in terms of self-control. If that makes sense. Yeah. Also, um, for other people, if other people are recognizing it, like I'm sure yeah. there's times where I've appeared emotionless or I'm being a bit more procedural in the way that I act towards someone that's being emotional because that's the way that I <laughs> deal yeah. with things. Yeah. Um, and they've been like, oh, it would make sense because of the way that you respond in this manner and that you yeah. don't understand these things. It was just wild to think about, like... The, the one that I saw that got me was this person was saying, oh, you know, I was speaking to my therapist or whatever, and she, she was like, do you ever keep interrupting people's sentences? And he was like, no, because that's rude. And she was like, okay, well, do you finish their sentence in your head? And he's like, yeah, because otherwise, how do you have a response for them in time? And his therapist said to him, like, you don't. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm <think> constantly <laughs> finishing people's stories for them in my head so that mm. I can prepare an answer. Yeah. There was like to me that's just like why wouldn't I do that? Like that's yeah, how, how can was... I respond otherwise? And then everyone else who I asked people about it works today they're just like no. We we don't have an answer. We just kind of go with it. I'm like, "Oh, right." 
Yeah, okay. that's what that's what their little pauses in conversations. If you hadn't guessed, there's people thinking about responses. But I, I, <laughs> I read, I saw an article written by someone that was had ADHD, but was also like highly intelligent, or wasn't highly intelligent. I can't remember what it was, but essentially, people perceived him as being very intelligent because he always had an answer for everything. But he was trying to explain to people like he's not. He's just hyper fixated and focused on finding the answers like you said you're preempting the end of conversations but he's done it so much that there's like so many things that you can just give an instant answer for yeah because you hyper fixate but you preemptively answer things way ahead of time yeah and i realized going back through like the podcast and things like that i will say yes a lot and it sounds like I'm saying yes, like, the, you know, the normal kind of like conversational, yeah, yeah. But really what I'm doing is like, yeah, I know what you're going to say and I've got an answer ready, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> okay, want to cut you off. I'll hold on to that going forwards. <laughs> Which is, and like, the more I realise that, the more I've been like, oh, it's just so, you then start to fixate on it in the future. Like, oh, fuck, what have I been doing this entire period of my life? Like, just, yeah. Yeah, well, I, think stuff. I, I always think you got to, and I'll take everything with a pinch of salt, you've got so far in the way that you are and you're in the, the environment that you weigh, that you currently are because of the way that you, you act. And if oh, you suddenly knew yeah. and you were going to try and modify that, would that help the environment that you are in? That's another thing that I, I think I, I do. It's just like, even if I went and I got checked like i say it like it's a th- thermometer if i if i went and did all like the, the tests and the the questionnaires and the, whatever they do um if, if they did come back and be like yeah you're you're on the spectrum probably not massively high but you're on the spectrum what would that then add to my life to to be just be like okay now i've got a label for myself do i then t- tell my workplace like yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm autistic, so you need to accommodate me more. Because I, I think, like, there, there could be because it because also we talk, Grace and I were talking about this the other day and how people perceive us because we both work remotely and we don't see our team massively and it's really difficult in this online world that I think people can be perceived as one way because they don't feel comfortable acting a certain way on a webcam. Oh, so being sure, so yeah. being perceived as like super serious because you don't know when to joke, when to how far you can take it. If you're like you can't really register people's bodies language, but just through if it's just their face, like you yeah. can't see if their arms are like crossed because they're just not like open to you speaking at them. Like you can't do that. Um. So yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult one because you, you'll join you'll join teams that knew each other pre-covid like, oh, i think that some makes people a thing, that, difference as well doesn't it yeah so like i, I people on my team have known each other in in industry for like 15 years plus right. so they know the mannerisms how far the where the line is how much they can joke whereas if i'm coming in and being like i've never met these people before in my life i don't know where the lines is i can possibly be perceived as quite serious to them yeah I hope not, because <laughs> i'm quite jokey <laughs> um because I hate being super serious at work. Like, why would you spend the oh, whole time sure. being super serious? Wow. What's that? 
I'm wearing yeah, a shirt. Right. It's very difficult shirt. Like, uh, to gauge these things, especially people coming into like industry, not especially for like the very first time, but like, I mean, you're, you're not too far out of uni considering the pandemic, right? Oh, no, you, yeah. You, yeah. You were straight out of uni, weren't you? Into work mid pandemic, yeah. right? Mid pandemic. So, not that you haven't had jobs before, but like going into your career field mm-hmm. for the first time remotely is, uh, I don't think it can be easy. No, 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 definitely. Yeah. Anyway, tangenting right off the bat. Um, yes. Yeah, resources in the description. And uh, yeah, it's all right. You know, it's okay not to be okay is the thing, isn't it? That's the thing going around. Yes, so, yeah. it is. So, evolution. Oh, I've got any yeah, news. So, oh, wait, news. Yeah, you want to... What news v- did you Very pick? quick. Because I've got an update to the NASA DART mission, which I covered a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, are you gonna talk about that? So this is the double asteroid redirection test or DART mission, and I'll go over very quickly what it was. Essentially, the first ever planetary defence where we launched a satellite the size of a refrigerator at an asteroid called Dimorphos, which is about the size of an American football field, not the entire stadium, just the field area, um, and that is orbiting another asteroid. Think of it as like a tiny moon mm-hmm. orbiting another bigger asteroid. The satellite hit Dimorphos at 14,000 miles per hour, and it we couldn't know what was going to happen straight away because it takes a few cycles of measurements to kind of understand, you know, have we made a difference to the orbit of this asteroid? Well, two weeks later, the results are in. I believe they dropped Tuesday, so a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um now, a success would have been an alteration of the orbit by one and a half minutes. That's what NASA were going like, right, this is a success. In reality, though, they were kind of aiming for an alteration of about 10 minutes in the orbit cycle. But what we actually got was an alteration of 37 minutes, which is nearly four times what we modelled, which is... You know, it, it kind of makes this experiment nothing short of a triumph, really, mm-hmm. is I think how the, the community are taking it. So, yeah, we've managed, we just absolutely smashed it, literally, nice. a refrigerator into an asteroid and yeah. managed to alter the orbit. So they're basically saying or thinking, we know that these kinetic impactors, as they're known, should be somewhat effective if an asteroid ends up on a collision course for Earth and we want to try and redirect it. So I guess this will be the first thing that we'll try. The issue being, I I reckon on this, is how early can we detect asteroids and how quick, how slow slow is the boundary for we can, like, redirect it? Because things go pretty quickly in space. Things go pretty quickly, but also over such a large distance that relatively it's not that quick. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'd say that, like, so, let me take an example of real life. So the SR-71 spy plane yeah. was designed so that it only blips on a radar once, so you can't tell what direction it's going in. Okay. That was the design of the SR-71, if you didn't know. What they wanted to do during, uh, I can't remember when it was used, Vietnam era, Cold War? Yeah. Cold War-esque? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because... If you didn't have two blips on a radar, because they knew the refresh rate of the radar, um, you'd be like, oh, it's just 
initially they thought that their radars were broken or showing an anomaly like because that's it was incredibly quick it still is incredibly quick um what i'm saying is if something's coming too quick towards us are we gonna have enough time to to scramble program do the calculations get in there and then move to move it i think so because we're not we're seeing the way that we're detecting asteroids is with light right so our refresh rate is infinitely faster or not infinitely but our refresh rate i.e the speed of light is going to be faster than an asteroid will ever be because asteroids are not going the speed of light yeah but but, i mean our, our reaction time isn't just like the radar it's can we get a spaceship ready i reckon so can we get I mean, it up? Can we actually match the speed of it? Is that even possible yeah, if it's going that quick? I reckon so. As long as they don't full, go full on, like, don't look up on us, you know? Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Right. Like, if it's that big and that quick, what what is? can we can we move that? Like, I want to know what the bounds are. I think it was like we launched a satellite that wasn't that massive, size of a refrigerator. So if we just did a full rocket, we could scale up, is what I'm thinking. Or we could go, you know, 10 refrigerators. I feel like if there was an asteroid coming at us, you know, there might be some international collaboration on an effort such as this. You'd hope. But yeah, I reckon so. And if not, you know, we'll just do the classic human thing and blow it up. Or attempt to, and then be showered by millions of tiny pieces. Yeah, this and that. What movie's that in? I think. I don't know. Oh, that's a anime reference. I think there's some anime where the hero tries to like jump up and like punch the asteroid. One Punch uh, Man. It could be One Punch Man, but I think in One Punch Man he just he just disintegrates it. Uh, but yeah, he essentially just jumps up, punches it, and then it splits into a million pieces and then just rains hellfire down on people. And <laughs> like, oh, that Didn't was all good. Didn't quite work as we yeah, intended. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I reckon we could. We'd definitely try something. At least basically what we figured out here is that it works. And if something was coming at us, we wouldn't hit it direct on. We'd try and just punch it above Earth. You know, yeah, move around to so the side. So we hit it from underneath rather than straight on, mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, so it was a success, and that's interesting. Finally, I followed up on something that I said I would in a reasonable time. Oh, well done, mate. Well done. Check that up mm-hmm. on the list. Done. Tick. Now, moving on to our topic for this week, 20 minutes in. We're good at this, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah evolution indeed that animated children's this. show wait there's an anime about evolution yeah alienators the evolution it was, it was called evolution it was a it was a 2001 it was a child program that little yellow evolution the yellow creature with the three eyes cartoon Oh, okay. Evolution, the animated series. Yeah, and what was it that killed it? Was it like bicarbonate soda? They found out, like, broke apart the cells or some, some, something, something like this. Not a clue, mate. I don't recognise this at all. Do you know what? 
Because like it, the whole premise was like uh, an asteroid comes to like falls to Earth and starts mutating uh, creatures that uh, get touched by the 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 pink goo. Do you know what? Maybe it's tickling something deep down inside my cortex, but I just can't pull whatever that is out to be like, yeah, I know, I know this. Just because it looks just, very just, like X Men cartoon style, and I watched yeah a lot of that true, when I was true. younger. So go, I don't know if I'm remembering. If you that. free time, go go listen to the intro and see if that scratches your brain anymore. Okay. But they also they also made a movie based on that um so you can go watch that as well had okay. sean william scott who plays is a stifler oh yeah um a bunch of i say that it's got um julianne moore in it that's what's way to say a bunch of people that haven't really been in much but julianne moore's been in, in some really good things oh yeah so I was about to say a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> um, but like she plays the, the CEO of Jurassic Park in the new Jurassic yeah. Parks. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll uh, flick back through that. Yeah, it's good. 90s cartoons. 90s cartoons intros, don't do it. Oh, mate, I came across that <laughs> hell hole of a YouTube rabbit hole the other day. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Jackie Chan. Oh, Jackie Chan is such a fucking good so good with the talismans i had yeah the talismans i always always had the tin to put them in oh that's cool did you ever watch the one about mummies and it was called mummies uh this kid like had a bracelet essentially like the mummy and then he had a bunch of like mummies that would come around and like save him or like help him in various tasks like a mix between scooby-doo and the mummy but the mummies are good but the mummies were good. Yeah. Um. It doesn't, it doesn't ring a bell, and it I I don't recognize mummies alive. It. Yeah, mummies alive. Like I've yeah I've had a look. Is this like the original Ben Ten? Maybe it is. Yeah. But I watched that. I watched. I completely forgot that this even existed, and then it came across. I came across the intro, and my mind just melted. Yeah. Back in the day, there were there were some absolute bangers of intros. And songs oh, yeah. in cartoons, like uh, the Batman cartoon, the, the really dark, yes. like Batman series. Oh my god! That, oof, yeah, that'll set me off. Like, there's a really is such a weird feeling. Like I'm looking it, back it at is. these things now, and to bring this into context of evolution, <laughs> right? So yeah. we're kind of on topic. <laughs> Why is nostalgia a thing? Like. Sh- why? Because it's such I like think a deep rooted. So, it's like a feeling in my chest, right? It's like a core memory triggering thing. So I think it's a remnant of if we if it was a survival instinct, it would be like the red berries are good. Yeah, I guess so. Like, okay, if you're okay. when you're learning things and you're growing up, like, okay, this mm-hmm. experience was such a good one. That if yeah. you kind of experience something like that again in the future, we're going to make you nostalgic and you're going to seek it out. Like, yeah. come get this dopamine because mm-hmm. this led to a good thing last time. Yeah. I just sued uh, like a, a big homage to old cartoons. 
and Digimon being on there and how oh. the the evolution of Digimon, the, the creatures, was oh my so God, yeah. stupid. <laughs> so, so, here's this, like ice-looking creature with long claws and it looks a bit like a seal but when it evolves it's this half-naked woman and you're like what what and there's like this this charmander dragon looking thing that when it fully evolves is like this mecha t-rex with wings oh yeah yeah digimon was a bit out there right (laughs) It was very, but like the original ones weren't too bad. I'm looking at one now where it goes from like Charmander thingy to like Charmander thingy with a mask. Oh, yeah, that's the second, the, the second. The Charmander ones. thingy with a mask goes to like full zombie. Yeah, skeleton mummy. Skeleton. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah. That's just odd. And yeah. I don't know whether it was the whole. Oh, this is nostalgia, though, isn't it? Oh yeah. Bloody hell. I kind of lost for words. Nostalgia is hitting me <laughs> right in the I'm trying to cortex. find who the what the what the the one that just evolves because there's like this. I think there's like different types of evolution. Did you? I I never went into that. Into that? No, it deep. was the whole like Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, Beyblade kind of era, wasn't it? Yeah, where you had weird things turning into other weird things. Yeah. There was loads in um Digimon like there when they went down the list. Oh, it's um Poyomon, which is like this just blob that turned into a pink blob that turned into an orange blob with wings that then turned into Angiomon, which was just a full humanoid. And you're like, you've gone three blobs to like this angel with wings thing. A biblically correct angel. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, oh, um, so hell. it's called uh, Yukimi Botamon, which is like the same white blob, but with the ears. Turn into Nairamon, which is like a cat blob with tail. Turn into Salamon, which looks like a puppy, which then turned into Gatamon, which was a cat standing up with big gloves, which then just went straight into Angiwomon, which is the half-naked woman. And you're oh. like... And then her next evolution is just full dragon. You're like, what, have what? Have some consistency. Nah, that'd be boring, wouldn't it? Keep you yeah, guessing. Yeah, mate. Not like, like actual Pokemon evolutions where it kind I've of got, has I've some I've got consistency. a few up here that do start off with like round blobs. Yeah. And then the second one is always like a more blobby <laughs> and bigger with like some weird appendage somewhere. Then the mm-hmm. third one is a bit more animalistic or beetle-like, and then it just goes human, and then it goes some weird mega thing after that. Yeah. So maybe that's where the consistency is. There's always like a human to mech stage afterwards. Yeah, I don't. I I think that's what they were they were, they were playing on. Like it starts super stupid and small, then becomes more animalistic, turns into a beast evolves into a beast with like tribal-esque and then evolves again into more like anthropomorphized thing. Yeah, I've got a thing here of Pokemon versus Digimon evolution. Pokemon is obviously Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard type thing, right? Yeah. Whereas Digimon, the same, you can have three different starter Digimons that converge to the same middle 
Digimon that then splits off into another two branches and then converges again on the final one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a bit more complex or random, you know, whichever word you want to pick. Convoluted is what I would describe it as. Yeah, a mixture of convergent and divergent evolution going on here. (laughs) Yeah, lots going from like... I don't know, some minor transitions to possibly a major transition going on as well. Oh, there's definitely, do you know what, the, the <laughs> alveol divergence within this population is massive. Yeah, like some of them somehow evolved to have metal on them. <laughs> to be honest though, that's an absolutely cracking trait. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, if if we can evolve at some point to have like metal art, what we could, yeah, yeah we could, you know? It wouldn't be like it would happen in the environment. It would be like a manual evolution for us, which I think is correct because that's where it's going. Have you seen the scaly foot gastropod? No. Is that a Pokemon? It is a real thing, right? It is a snail that actually has... uh, Is it rock or metal? As an iron oh. sulfide coming out of its skin, not oh, out of yeah. its shell, but like out of the the foot, right? It's the sucky part underneath. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Across the skirt of the foot. Like, that's basically a, a Digimon. <laughs> or iron sulfide. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit weird looking, but Just it literally it. has scale mail on its skirt. Pretty gnarly. Pretty gnarly. Pretty gnarly indeed. Oh, well, obviously we've done the wrong thing. We should have done evolution in the context of Pokemon. That, that makes sense, though. Well, uh, well oh, you, could do, you, could do, you could do Yu-Gi-Oh as well. Yu-Gi-Oh has, like, evolutions. Does it? With the cards? Yeah, yeah there's some cards that, like, you combine. And they, uh, like... So, like, Blue Eyes White Dragon, there's... It turns into another type of blue eyes white dragon, and there's like three headed. Hello? What's up? Oh, I just heard three headed and then sharp cut. I, I thought you'd cut out. Um, uh, yeah. I know. Like, that's the next thing that happens. Oh, I see. I see. They're called uh, fusion. They're like purple, the cards, and you need to fuse the the cards that it says so for the three-headed one you need blows dragon blows dragon blows dragon like exodia uh, you can't just ah, no exodia is an infusion i'll take that back but there's lots of tribal cards that are kind of in that vein okay i, I have to admit i'm getting a bit lost now yugu was never my my forte so let's bring it back let's reel the show in a little bit what even what are we talking about? What even is evolution, Tom? What even is evolution? I mean, it's a very interesting question. And if we look at the fundamentals, we kind of get an answer of evolution is the change in the heritable characteristics of biological populations over successive generations. Essentially, how species change over time to become better suited to the environments in which they live. And then, obviously, from there, isolated populations may change over time to become new species. 
And you may ask, what's a species? <laughs> but as we found out in our biodiversity episode, I could go on about that for literally an hour. Yeah, we so don't know. No one knows. We're going to go with the one that everyone kind of knows, the biological species concept, which is if two things can mate and the offspring is fertile, those two individuals are part of the same species. Like, is it a mule and a donkey and a horse? Uh, it's a don. It's a male horse and a female donkey make a mule. A mule, right? Yeah. So they're all the same species then. No, because mules are not fertile. Oh, are they not? No. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, it, like a a liger, right? Is a yeah. tiger and a lion cross, but mm. they're not fertile. Um. And like that's great, but you, in, it, there's lots of other contexts where it just doesn't hold up. Like you know, there's hybrid dolphins that look like both species, like and they're fertile. So we mm-hmm. really don't know what to call them. So we just kind of lump them in with whichever one they hang out with the most and put an X on the end <laughs> for hybrid or cross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll leave hunter. it at biological species concept. Mm-hmm. Because that's what most people work off because it's easier. Um, so, yeah. What have you got for us to uh, parlay over then for the next half hour? To, to parlay? Yeah. Sit down and have a chat about. Yeah. Well, that was, that was the word that came to mind. I don't know why. I think it was because <laughs> I was thinking of Darwin and Wallace, you know, going around the world, coming up with their ideas of evolution. What and coming across pirates and right, and then come, right, and then and I went to Pirates of the Caribbean, right, and then I came to, and then I'm I realised I needed right to a word. Parlay. All right, okay. Like, this is this is that's an insight into my brain. I went all along that route and then remembered that I needed a word to for us to mean speaking. And yeah. parlay is what I arrived at. You can also sit down and have a palaver in the same vein. I mean, that, I think that's more suited, to be honest. Yeah. That is definitely more suited, yeah. All right. Well, what are we having a palaver about next? Uh, different. We can have different types of evolutions. You can, yeah. If you didn't know everybody out listening out there, you can have like divergent evolutions, convergent evolutions, and sometimes parallel evolutions. Yes. Go on, then. give us a, a deep dive on these things. Didn't somebody write a book called like Divergent, Convergent, and someone else? Uh, Suzanne Collins. Oh yeah. Oh, Wait, if that's if that's correct, I am gonna <laughs> hang on. Divergent. <laughs> that's a... No, no. That's a shame. Who oh Veronica Roth. Who's yeah. Suzanne Collins? Is that um the Mockingbird author? Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah it is. Ah oh, well, you know what? Same, same, same vein. <laughs> same, similar genre. One was done a lot better than the other. Yeah. What I like about that book series is it was like divergent, insurgent, uh, alicant, alicant, and then four. <laughs> like the fourth what? book is just called four. Oh. That's <laughs> all oh, right. Because I know they were making a series. Well, they they made a few films, right? They, they made yeah, they made the movies. They made the movies, and it's like they tried to push it so hard, but it just didn't stick. Yeah, it's because it 
It just wasn't, wasn't great, was it? Yeah, no. it just wasn't that good. Uh, it was difficult to do the whole like it was. It came out in that period where there was lots of like dystopian future movies came out, so it was which like, I am bug, down elbows. for down as a clown, and I do really it. enjoyed good. the concept, but it just wasn't executed well. No, no, the whole like I'm not a scaredy cat, therefore my mentals are good. <laughs> you got a weak mental mate <laughs> yeah yeah like it, you were in you were in this club if you like had a weak mental she wouldn't survive 10 minutes in an xbox lobby back in the day we were forged in fire that's probably why we have so many issues to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is, and it, it's it's strange when you like like the evolution of communications online where people that are coming in super late are like ah oh, you can't say that it's like super mean and stuff whereas our youth was like through the fire and flames we carry literally, on literally yeah when it came to like you don't you can't understand the amount of abuse children were churning at children in xbox lobbies yeah like so, like call of duty certain destroy lobbies were just oh. like the most you just you just can't comprehend. Yeah, and, and also like you had people like children, obviously in a variety of backgrounds, repeating what they've heard, either at, yeah. the, at home or at the playground or online, as it was back then. YouTube was very much unfiltered back then compared to nowadays, right? Yeah, yeah. So just the stuff you'd get shouted out here, ah, oh, yeah. trauma-inducing. Yeah, if if, if like. Now it would be trauma inducing, but it's kind of normalized at the time. But it's quite interesting because when people are like, oh, I can't say that in a chat room, it's really, it's, that's bad. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's weird to have that distinction from like real life. Like, you, you're never going to say that to a person. Yeah. But it is odd. Yeah. Strange. Strange times. Okay. Maybe we, we're just more involved. Obviously, that. yeah. Yeah. We're not as smooth-brained as the PlayStation lobby players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm we're joking, I'm this. joking. Or PC Master Ace, let's go. Yeah. We saw this the other day, because we were oh, great time watching, and it's to do with... Oh, we were watching The Crown. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and I love Matt Smith. I, do you know what, Matt Smith? What an actor. What a great Doctor Who. Just, yeah, just, just anything he's in. It's always a bit weird to start with because you're like, oh, what's he's Doctor that Who person. Doing it? Yeah, and then he just <laughs> sucks you in. Yeah, and then he's a Targaryen. You're like, what? Yeah. Um, and he like put his children, I can't remember what, like his children for a really tough school because he had a tough time at the school and it made him a good person. Yeah. And he caused that trauma to like build them up to be a better person and it didn't work because fundamentally of his course. kids was different yeah but we were like is there a way that you can subject your children to make them more resistant but not it just be trauma and i said you could do it through like competitive sports to have like resilience mentally no. so if they get knocked down in life like you can roll with the punches metaphorically get yourself back up you get taught how to have a strong mental if you do if you play sports for sure, but I was forced into playing sport as a kid, and now I just hate playing sport. 
Yeah, it's not about the playing of the sport, though. It's about I know, but like I don't feel like I learned any of those lessons from the sport in particular. But I think again, it depends like what your child is receptive to. Yeah, I think there's the total mentality changing now, right? Of okay, it was I went through trauma and I did I turned out okay, even though you can't really say that objectively about yourself. But that was like kind of how parenting had been passed on. Oh, I turned out fine. It'll be okay for you. And like now, it's more like okay. It's okay for your child to not be okay. It's just you've got to work through it at the end that's the important thing, right? So instead of developing a trauma from a bad experience, it's like how you work on that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's the resilience you try and build up, I think. Also, there's something wrong with the older generation being like, we had a tough time, so you have to have a shit time too. It's like, oh, do you not I want to build a better life for your hate children? That mentality. Like- <laughs> it's like, oh, why do you like all this? Like in America, right? You have these people like, oh, let's not let these people have debt forgiveness because that's like unfair. On you know, I didn't have debt forgiveness, and it's like, well, right, but why do you want other people to suffer? Yeah, just because. Yeah. You know, surely the entire point of society is to eventually get to a point where no one really has to work if you don't have to. You know, everyone's needs are met. You know, all this kind of thing where... But it's not getting there because it's some kind of capitalistic, like, oh, I suffered, so they'd have to as well. What? Yeah. And, uh, so I'm not going to, like, name and shame, but of, of an older like an older older generation said about like <laughs> surviving in this day and age of like going to Poundland, buying like really cheap bread and cheese and that being like your lunch and like that being it and this you don't need a smartphone and all that kind of stuff and i'm like surely we've evolved we've evolved as a society like we we we're better now. Like we yeah. shouldn't be having to go back to like rolling blackouts. Oh wait, we're going to be doing that in the UK <laughs> come like November. Fantastic. Yeah. Like have we not have we not progressed at all? Like why are we being dragged back into this absolutely archaic thinking of oh we had it bad, you've got it easy, but you should have it bad. And we turn oh, it's like right. you don't it's appreciate like, oh. what you have because you never had it bad. It's like surely that's the point. Yeah. Surely you don't want other people who came after you to suffer like you did. Like, we humans, we're very adaptable. We can learn without having to suffer. And surely minimizing suffering is the entire point of society as a collective. (laughs) It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. We can, like, if we really need to, I can go back to Poundland or Woolworths, whatever it was back in the day, and get you know, the cheapest sausage roll, you know, that's made of God knows what. And that can be my lunch and I can survive like that. Yeah. But if I don't have to, or if my children don't have to, why would I make them just to prove a point? Yeah. And would if you had the children, would you make them suffer to be like, well, when I was growing up, I didn't have chocolate and ice cream on a friday so you're not gonna have a chocolate and ice cream on a friday and you're like no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna get i'm gonna buy them stuff yeah oh yeah that was pays to my growing up in, in a nutshell bloody hell <laughs> anyway 
we progress as a society. We have anyway. And if you're still here, I'm going to assume you kind of agree with us somewhat. Or you're writing out a very angry tweet right now. So that's at InfoEntropyPod. <laughs> if you and, think everybody uh, should suffer, write to us. Yeah, and tell us why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've got 120 characters to do that in. Uh, or in multiple times. Just, or or you multiple just times. DMs. Yeah, start DMs, you got, you got more more space on a DM if you find nah, like 100 and... You do, yeah. But uh, yeah. just make a thread. Everyone can see it then. Yeah, make it a bit longer. Oh, oh, bloody hell. Does it longer still exist? Or is it yeah, just a screenshot a, of your notepad nowadays? Nah, it's a bit longer to exist, yeah. Bloody hell. Everyone's heading, heading over to Instagram, I heard. Nah, it's all that. It's all that's a bit longer. <laughs> Twitter is such a cesspool sometimes. Oh. It's so funny. Just a head down a rabbit hole. Like, yes. bloody hell. No, right, nothing, we're getting off track nothing again. Nothing good. Nothing good, but sometimes a hidden gem in the dirt. And that's what we live for. So, <laughs> types of evolution. Mate. So we've got we diverged a bit there. Yes, uh, so to, to sum us up, we've got divergent uh, evolution. Yeah. What is it, mate? Oh, oh sorry. I thought you were you you were going for for that. Um, divergent evolution. Right. Imagine. Yeah. Uh, you've got a species or a couple of species which share a common ancestry so you're starting with one species and then due to different selection pressures or isolation through geographical or reproductive or competitive isolation whatever it ends up being over an evolutionary time period so not one day to the next they become isolated and the characteristics within each group change enough that you can start to call them new species okay did that make sense yeah it did in my head yeah, yeah. okay Event- essentially you start with one you end up with two but yeah. they started in the same place yeah and this also works not on a species level but also on like a trait level so, like, yes. humans and orangutans have very similar arms, but they are diverging over time. They're getting less and less similar. Because, obviously, we use ours for, like, manipulating technology and whatever we have in our lives, whereas they use it for swinging around trees. Mm-hmm. So, over time, these similar traits will become more and more different. There we go. I hope that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear? Cool. And convergent evolution. The way that I saw this is say that you've got lots of you got species of different ancestry. Yeah. They due to a shared environment. So say like loads of different species lived around a volcano, they would get better at dealing with the heat. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. They develop similar traits, right? Yeah, yeah, similar, similar traits to like be able to regulate the heat more. Um, that's the only thing about the volcano. Yeah. Heat. Yeah, that's it, due to heat. Like, that's what they would need to do. Yeah, 100%. And again, it acts on like the organism as a whole or also on like specific structures. So, one that's really referred to a lot in convergent evolution and is like the 
the one that's held up is the octopus eye and the human eye are near identical if you discount like the actual iris shape right okay. our octopus eye and the human eye are practically identical the only thing that's different and this is where the octopus eye is better is that the uh neurons from the eye from our retina are on yeah. the inside of our eyeball right which means we have that blind spot in our eye Do you know about the blind spot? Yeah, 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 yeah. As someone with massive issues with their eyeballs, I am aware of the blind spot. Okay. If you don't, give yourself a, like a thumbs up. Outstretch your arm. So if you've got your right arm, put your thumb up, close your left eye, and looking straight at your thumb, just slowly move your thumb out to the right without moving your eye, and then your thumb will just suddenly disappear at some point. Yeah, it's crazy The people that know this. Like, yeah. if you close one eye, then put your thumb... I can't remember where it is actually... It's slightly out outwards. Yeah. And it just, um, it just disappears. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. It just keep your eye still and then move your thumb outwards, right? It will just disappear. Um, yeah. And that's because the neurons connecting the eye to the brain are in that spot. So obviously we can't take visual input from that area. But your brain I just kind of goes... Why? Yeah. I never knew that. That is such an interesting fact. Yeah, so that so the, that's why we we have a blind spot there, right? Oh my fucking god, but really? The, the octopus, the clever little bastards, yeah. have the neurons on the outside of the eye. Imagine like around the back of the eyeball rather than yeah. on the inside of the ball, right? So they don't have that blind spot. Ah. Oh. Because they've <laughs> other other than that and the shape of the iris, like the black bit of the eye, the opening, our eyes are identical. And like this is always held up as convergent evolution. They're in very different spaces, but we use them, we process light in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. So convergently, two very different species, we've kind of got analogous structures. Yeah. Apart from theirs is better because their neurons don't impede their vision. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas our brain just works harder to block that out. <laughs> that is true, but they can't walk or have jobs. <laughs> so you hey, know, we know who's of. who's the winner here <laughs> maybe they do you know yeah that's true um that's true yeah there we go there, there's a fact for you that's pretty cool so yeah uh, if you were designing a human an eye you know you wouldn't design it like we have it wait no i don't need to go down that road that's what that's, if we, a, if we, that's a triggering <laughs> road to go down it's considering we're already speaking about evolution we're not we're not splitting things here. Yeah. No. Interesting fact for you. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, uh parallel in, uh, evolution. Yeah, what's that mate? Uh it well it's it occurs when two species evolve independently of each other, maintaining the same level of similarity. So, it occurs between unrelated species that do not occupy the same or similar niches in a given habitat. Yeah. Like uh, certain frog species, uh, the Arboreli. Arboreli? Yep. The flying frogs in both (laughs) older families and new world families have developed the ability of gliding flight. 
They have yeah. enlarged hands, feet, and full webbing between the fingers, but they're in completely different niches and different places. Yeah, so they're not competing with each other, but they're no. going like along the same path. Yeah, yeah. they have the same traits, but they're in different locations. Yeah. This is really interesting. I love just kind of thinking about this kind of stuff, but it's kind of, it can get away from you sometimes because it's just so big and like in, in a concept, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. But yeah, and you've also got like, um, one of my professors at uni was a specialist in macro evolution. Oh, so okay. One, yeah. one of my favorite modules I did was actually not marine biology related, but was macro evolution and phylogenies. And my professor was Dr. Kevin Arbuckle, who I actually interviewed for the podcast that shall not be named. Um, and so, yeah, he was specialized in venom in like rattlesnakes or and poisonous snakes and things like that. Also the movie. And the movie, yeah. He With was Tom actually mm. Yeah, he was actually Tom Hardy's stunt double. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. If you didn't know. Um but yeah, like so he was really interested in these kind of parallel evolutions and also evolutions to kind of force other animals to evolve. So it's like kind of like evolutionary arms race, right? Like if I want to catch this animal, but it's evolved the ability to escape. What if I evolve venom? And then what if then the prey evolves anti-venom? Right? Yeah. So then how does the predator then evolve to kind of combat the anti-venom? Does the venom change or does its attack style change? And then how does the prey then evolve? Does it lose the anti-venom and develop a new one? Or does its hiding mechanism or camouflage change? And these kinds of things. These evolutionary arms races are just so interesting to me. It's kind of, yeah, but not to forever. harp on about Doctor Who as we always do when we talk about these kind of things, but the episode where they talk about the, the perfect evolution of hiding. Yeah. Such a good one. Also, such a creepy uh, alien enemy of the Doctor. Is this the Weeping Angels? No, so there's 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 two. There's the one that is on the boy the the bed of the soldier that I can't remember the name of. Um, where they go boy. to. Did you know it's the the black guy and um the Rose? The, no, Rose. Uh, what is the the old guy's name? Capaldi. Uh, I haven't seen many Capaldi episodes. Oh, uh, okay. Unfortunately. So, so in that one, they, they discuss the existence of a creature that has the perfect evolution of hiding. Okay. Um, and it's like the feeling that you're being watched or something grabbing your, like, uh, ah. grabbing you from under the bed. And it tries to explain, like, that, that that's feeling is that presence and every every creature has that one person it's linked to but then there's oh, also okay. the is it the church of the silence is there's another one where they kind of do something like that with the clockwork robots oh yeah that's that's just and there's like the girl in the mirror right yeah and like every time you think you see something in the mirror yeah, that's it's this little girl yeah there's also the the creepy aliens where you forget about them as soon as you don't look at them 
Oh yeah, and then it's, it's where they they're like running through the house, and they've got like more and more like lines drawn on themselves because yeah. they they write down how how many they've seen, and then like the lightning flashes, and she's got like she's covered head to covered. toe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, what Doctor Who pulled out some really creepy episodes just randomly. Yeah, like the one set in <laughs> World War Two Britain. The two-parter where, like, the gas mask... Oh, the gas children. People. Yeah. It's like, oh, are you my mummy? That I the... didn't sleep <laughs> for at least a, a week, I think. Like, yeah. First and even when I Captain did... Captain Jack Harkness in that one. Oh, is that the first one? Yeah, that's where he appeared the first time. Yeah. That, sure? that was terrifying. Yeah. Bloody hell. Face of Bo, if you didn't know. As well, when he reappears, he is, yeah. Because I remember that being immortal. a big, a big thing. Yeah, he's a little stretch piece of skin, Cassandra. That's, that's that's the same the same episode, yeah. Yeah, that is. Yeah, withdraws me. <laughs> he was played by a really amazing actor. She's the mum in a sitcom. I can't remember now. Right now. It was like the British version of Malcolm in the Middle. Anyway, it is what it is. British version of Malcolm in the Middle? I'm going to have to find it now, aren't I? Right. Doctor Who. Cassandra. Actress. Zoe Wanamaker. Zoe Wanamaker. IMDB. Oh! Not Modern Family. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. My Family. There we go. My Family. My Family. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, that that was a good show. That was really good. Oh, she was in Harry Potter as well. Of course she was. Yeah. Of course she was. Was she seen something recently? I can't remember. I haven't seen her in a while, but I'm also not watching current things, so. Anyway, we're coming up on the hour. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just realised that, yeah. We may have to continue this on on another episode. So I hope you've enjoyed your catch-up on 90s TV... Our mental health situations, <laughs> the evolution of nostalgia, Zoe Wanamaker, and a little bit of defining evolution. Um, yeah, we'll come back next week with this, shall we? Because yeah, I've got a few a things more. to cover that are, are yeah. really, really interesting. And I, yeah. evolution is one of my favorite topics because it's basically everything is perfect or well, it's not perfect but everything has been made through mistakes and i find it weirdly inspiring like the only reason things have evolved the way they have is because some things didn't work out yeah things died yeah it's like okay let's create this appendage and see what happens and then oh wait that was a mistake wipes out the entire section of that population oh we'll try that again in a few millennia when that might be advantageous you know mm. Mm-hmm. So I find it weirdly inspiring. Yeah, so what's that? What's the game where it's all about evolution? Evolution. No, no. Uh, Zambuki. No, what, what was that, that, is, that, that is yeah, that's the correct name. <laughs> Bamzuki. Bamzuki. Bamzuki, not Zambuki. Yeah, Bamzuki. Bamzuki, uh, bloody hell. Spore. Right. Spore is the ah, game spore. I was thinking of. Yes. Like, Spore, you, you choose... How you evolve through time, all yes. the way from single cell to fish to land 
to then uh, space faring. Oh, really? Yeah, you go from you go from like all the way to, and then it turns into like uh, civilization builder at the end. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. But yeah, you, you build yourself from scratch. Because I remember Spore coming out, and it was, like, it was like an online game, and I was like, oh, this is seems a bit weird. And you start off as like a glowy ball. I think that's a different Maybe game. I'm thinking of a completely different yeah, game. Yeah, no, it's Spore, just what I've associated with Spore. Spore was never online. It was, yeah. What do you mean? Spore. I'm looking at it right now. Spore game. Spore. Online game. No, it wasn't. That's what it says right in the description. Send, send me a, a screenshot of what it is. Uh, snip. Snipping tool. This makes for great podcasting. It <laughs> it, it does. Here you but, go. Is that like, like the latest one? Or like the... Oh yeah, but it's not—it's not actually an online game. That's no, oh, it's not okay. an online game. You can play online with other people on it. It was pure solo. Okay. But yeah, that—that okay. is the correct game. Oh, I see. I thought it was it. Yeah. Creator of The Sims. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, oh, someone made my champ. Yeah. In support. That's impressive. I'm going to stop poke. looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> so in between this episode and the next episode, if you want to experience some gamification of evolution, go find and play Spore. Yeah. I'm not sure how much it is at the moment, um, but hopefully it's a lot cheaper than it is when it came out. Yeah. If not, find it somewhere else. <laughs> also, uh, if you've got yourself a VR machine, like the Ooh. Quest or Quest 2, David Attenborough has done a series of documentaries where he explores how life may have evolved from the first single cell organism all the way to today. Um, and it's a 20 minute 360 VR experience. And it blew my mind. Well, I just, well, firstly, I wasn't expecting to see that on the, you know, hey, you should watch this because it was very good timing to come across last on, you know, the other day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really cool. Uh, and free if you've got the quest, of course. <laughs> yeah, you just not- kind of need to buy into the quest thing before it's free. But yeah, if you happen to have one, try and find that. It's really good. Quest two, I still swear down is like the most cost-effective to awesome intro to um, VR. Oh, hundred percent. Especially like- when you look at the price tag of the new one. Oh, the pro. Th- it's ridiculous. Which is absolute madness. But yeah, I really rate... 400 pounds. It's like the quest is what, three, 400 quid? Uh, 400, yeah. 400. Okay. It's like a bit blurry sometimes, especially when you're looking at videos. It's not always fantastic. But I've not struggled at all to be fully immersed in games that I'm playing. Oh, yeah. Like, we, like, we got uh, golf. <laughs> oh, such a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So yeah, get yourself a quest. Maybe we'll do a VR episode at some point. We've discussed doing it in VR. Uh, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, how difficult it would be. We'd have to switch mediums for one episode. We would. I'll have to like tape my oh, so, mic. Uh, I, I've been looking at other... Oh, that's true. You'd have to walk around. Well, if you're playing golf, left-hand microphone, right, right-hand... Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, um, we can upload videos to podcasts on spotify and they they play in a mini player because i was oh. I've, I've been listening to 
um, some other podcasts that were with Maisie Williams. I think it's like not a CEO or was a CEO. I can't remember. Very, very good. Um, but Oh, is that all... the one where she goes like quite deep in her life? Yes. Because yes, I've yes. seen a clip of that and I was like, what podcast is this? I need to watch that. Yeah. So that, so that podcast. Very okay. good. It goes very detailed, but it, it pops out. So you can watch, you can either watch it in or you can click off it and it just plays the audio. Oh, that's great. So yeah. Oh, we'll maybe then. Maybe. maybe in a few episodes time, you'll just see us playing mini golf in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. All right. Well, thanks for listening. That will bring us to a wrap. Um, yeah. Apparently we're leaning into the whole tangent thing. We're evolving. Yeah. Evolving e- as a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, don't forget to share this with your friends, families, co-workers, scientists, so we can annoy them with our mistakes. Hopefully, we've managed to <laughs> decrease some of the in- entropy of the information in your lives, but I very much doubt it. Otherwise, I hope it's been entertaining. And join us again next week as we kind of explore, I'm sure, Pokemon evolution in more detail. <laughs> yeah. We'll try and we'll try and actually get some more information out next week. So if you want more fun information, science, and follow us at Twitter at InfoentropyPod, Instagram, Information Entropy Pod. I've been better this week. I said I'd try, been a bit better this week. Yeah. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you can find podcasts, you can find us on there. So give us a rating, a follow, it all helps absolutely massively. And we'll love your faces forever. So yeah anything more to add mate no mate that's that's all from me sick beans no peace ciao for now (laughs) 